2: Jansen. How are you, buddy? Oh, I'm doing well. Excited to, uh, to talk some some ATVs, ATV racing. And uh, it's definitely different to be on the kind of the other side of the, the hosting thing. But before I let you go too far, I got to tell you, um, happy International Podcast Day to my fellow ATV podcaster. All right. Well, thank you very much. I didn't even know that. I didn't. I how new I am. Um... I didn't even know it either. Just a little while ago, my brother said, hey, you should mention that it's International Podcast Day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's too funny. Yeah. I want to thank you very much for taking some time with ATV Talk. I know you're a busy guy. I know you have a lot of things going on. Um, So we're going to jump right in and talk some ATVs, talk some Cody, and and find out, um, I read a little bit about you getting started. Uh, your dad was a flat track racer and you take it from there.
2: Yeah. I mean, if we're taking it from the top, as far as, you know, how did I get into ATV racing? I feel like it was from like birth. Uh, there's pictures of me just days old sitting on my dad's flat track quads you know with him holding me on him and um yeah he was uh like a local pro like a uh, a good local um flat track and tt guy he dabbled in some national stuff but he was like a local legend when it came to flat track and atv stuff here in Wisconsin so um probably heard stories like this a million times where um your first hero is your dad so i mean it was never even a choice i just i don't even remember um you know how it all started i just my f- first memories of motorsports are getting a little dirt bike and um ripping across the backyard at my grandparents house and then they didn't turn the governor down at all, right? So I, uh, I'm i literally pinned like in a whiskey throttle, you know, tank slapper into a tree. And I remember just getting up and I'm probably like crying a little bit or whatever. And I just get back on and the rest was history. And uh, yeah, I got into to doing flat track racing just like dad did. And um, similar story there, I crashed in the first corner in my first flat track race. And uh, it was, it was I'm still hooked. I mean, I remember the flat Saying, buddy, you don't got to race. You know, you can sit this one out. And I'm like, no, I'm going to race. And uh, <laughs> so, so it's just when it's in your blood, I don't got to explain it to you. When it's in your blood, it's uh, it's just uh, so contagious, and you can never shake it. I mean, I'm 28 years old, and I mean, for the better part of 25 years, I've been you know around it literally every day. So it's uh, it, uh, it's I wouldn't change it. I guess I don't know how else to say it. Well.
0: I think, you know, a little bit about my story and who I am and I was born into it as well. My dad being Danny Duncan, who started the, basically where Duncan racing is, started it. And, uh, it's just never been anything else in my life. Other than that, even when I took a short, like two and a half year sabbatical away to build some houses and the construction, I was racing
2: ATVs at the time. So I never left. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I said, there's no getting away from it. And uh, it's funny that you say that because, yeah, when when uh, I got a message from you and, and I was already, you know, listening, kind of following you guys with ATV talk. But when I got a message from you and then I'm like doing some thinking and I'm like, Duncan, you know, there's the ATV stuff is it's too tight knit of a community. And, you know, I was like, it's got to be, you know, the Duncan family. And and obviously, sure enough, then I did a little digging and it was. And um, I mean, Duncan was one of those like legacy brands. When I was younger, I was like, you know, Duncan's a big thing. And you think of, you know, like I, for whatever reason, I thought of... Uh, of Shane hit the one year he he was with Duncan for one year right he ran Duncan stuff and and I was always such a Shane hit fan and um, I remember like you know there'd be like the Duncan quads on the on the video games and I was a little kid and just all that stuff so then uh, it's funny to come full circle and now I'm here talking to you talking ATV stuff and you know whether you know as far as long as I'm gonna be around we're gonna be I'm gonna be into ATV stuff and and so however many years from now I'm I'm going to be doing the same thing you are, just finding my fix to talk and, and be around
0: ATVs. Well, that's what brought this all about. You know, I've been doing this for well over 30 years and yep. uh, I'm 54 now. So it's probably been longer than that based on my childhood and everything. Yep. But all of us in the industry have stories. Oh, of course we have so many things that have gone on in the shop, out of the shop with our buddies, you know, whether we're trail riding or racing and there's no outlet for the story. Right. Yep. And that's what, that's what, you know, I started listening to podcast political stuff. Uh, okay. Two or three years ago. Okay. Thought, oh, gosh, Darren, this ought to be awesome for to do. And I'm non-techie. I can barely turn the phone on. I can't work on the computer. Sure. You know. Yep. So I just, I thought, you know, it's never going to happen. Right. Okay. So Valeria and Paula and my son, Danny are all into it. And, um, one thing led to another, Valeria is having me do some, some reads, you know, with a microphone and and the laptop and, and then paula has got a social media business in Guadalajara, Mexico. And she's teaching me about, you know, Google or, uh, facebook ads and then we're talking about podcasting and the next thing you know we taped an episode with doug eichner and didn't know what to do with it from there
2: (laughs) i was so curious it's so funny because I was so curious to hear how you got started with it. Um, Because very similar for me with digging deep, you know, I I got into, um, I'm a big sports guy. So I like listening to, you know, sports talk radio and whatever, just background noise in the shop or whatever. Um, So very similar. Well then I I was like, I'm not techie really either. And, And when people would say podcast, I didn't even necessarily really know what that meant. So right. Right. eventually I figure out that it just means online radio show, but, um, so I'm literally on YouTube, like just trying to find like, say like motorcycle, uh, like I'm trying to find like mo like dirt bike radio shows. Right. So I-, I start to find, you know, some stuff that I like. And then I see that, well, Oh, it's, it's called a podcast. And then I'm like, well, my iPhone has a podcast app. So I'm just going to go into that app that I've never been into before and start searching these shows. So I find them all of a sudden, this is like Pandora's box to me. I'm like, I can literally listen to sports talk radio, but about motorcycle shows. Yeah. And, uh, and I, and I'm like, this is, I'm all about it, right? All day, every day I'm listening to this stuff. Well then And in in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I could maybe do something like this with ATVs. I mean, I have connections with, you know, obviously with the whole industry, but then um, being a, a, you know, a pro, a former pro motocross guy myself, um, ATV pro motocross, like I know these guys. So I'm like, you know, I could maybe do something like this. Well, then I had a close friend of mine say, Hey, I'm pretty sure you could do like this with, with quads. And, and that was all it really took. So then, um, Chad Wienan and I are come from a same area. I'm from Wisconsin. He's from Illinois. You know, we've raced each other for years and, um, and he had such a cool story. My thought was, is if I'm ever going to do a podcast, I think he's got the story to tell, right. I, I, you know, from, from being, you know, from getting not riding until he's 16 years old to getting a scholarship, uh, to play football and, um, and then, you know, being a kind of a a mid to the back of the pack pro. And then he just decides he's, he's going to go all in one day and he turns into, I mean, almost the second coming of Gary Denton. Right. Right. And so I'm like, Man, it's a good story to tell. So I, I, I just on a whim, I, I shoot uh, Chad a message, and he's all about it. But, but I don't even have. I don't even know what I'm, I I don't like have anything together. I don't have any ideas. I just know that this is the story I want to tell. So um, we kind of throw it together. Thankfully, I told you this before you hit record that my brother is the tech guy. So I had kind of like mentioned to my family at dinner one night, like, Hey, I'd love to do something like this, but I, I mean, I don't even know where to start. And Dallas is like my brother. He's like, we can do it. No problem. And, and, and he's like, you know, your website that you already have has like the ability to, to, you know, include podcast stuff. And so, yeah, we, we threw it together. And, um, again, Chad put us on the map with, with a really, really, really good episode to this day. That's our biggest episode we've ever done. And, or second, I guess, but either way it was big and, um, yeah, we've kind of come a long way, but it's really cool because just like you said, we have so much to tell. I have so much love and passion for this sport, just like you do. And it's like, now I feel so good because I always thought as a pro rider, my biggest goal was just to give back. You know, I just wanted to be whether it was just being a good role model or whatever. That was my biggest thing. And now, I mean, now I even have a voice to do so. Plus, I feel like I'm filling a void just like you are. Um, You know, maybe our demographics are a little different, but you're doing the exact same thing, filling a void for people that just want to, Uh, just want to consume ATV content and you're giving that to them just as I am. And and for me, I mean, that's so rewarding um, because you and I, you know, a year ago or two years ago or whatever, you know, we would have loved to listen to this. So I just, that's the coolest thing. Um, And it's funny how the stories are so similar where it just kind of fell into place And then, uh, you know, now, now here you are and you're producing, you know, cool shows with great guests. And, um, I mean, obviously I'm such a fan of what you're doing and, uh, yeah, it was, it was super cool when I got the invite to come on. a huge fan of yours as well. Love all of it.
0: And I can't get enough either. It's crazy to me that I can't believe the growth. Yeah, me too it's spiraling out of control. The fact that I, that I can't work social media because I have a, I, I have a nine to five job. Yep, I'm working social media in the evenings, early mornings. And then the days that I'm off, my poor wife doesn't even know she's got a husband anymore. <laughs> I, was gone, I was gone racing last year. And now yep. I'm, I'm home podcasting around the internet. You know, we're watching yeah. a movie and I'm posting something on social media uh uh-huh. yeah answering somebody's question and and mm-hmm. uh, it, it it's it's mind blowing to a guy that's non techy right it's uh an amazing outlet um i've told this to a couple people if i would have known what it took to do this job because it, it is a job yep and, and most people don't realize that yep if i would have known that it wasn't just sitting down and talking to somebody on the other end about something that I love with all my heart, yep. uh, I might not have done it because there's a lot that goes into this.
2: Oh, there's a ton that goes into it.
0: Yeah. and, 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 if you could, if everybody could see the behind the scenes, which isn't glamorous, it isn't fun. Well, some of it's fun, you know, (laughs) know?
2: I love the I love the conversation. I love the conversation, but the rest of it is a ton of just grinding away. And in the days between like, just like you doing this right now in the days between you recording and then you releasing it, like I'll have people messaging me like, when's it coming out? When's it coming out? When's it coming out? And I'm like, I, I'm, I, I don't have any extra time. I might, it might have to wait another day, you know, like, cause I always, and, and you're probably the same way, but cause you take so much pride in it. So then like, I want to preview it a time or two, like I want to make sure there's no nothing I want to edit or, or make sound a little better or whatever. And, uh, it's, 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 um, it is a, t- it is a
0: ton of work. If you go back and listen to the first download to now, Yep. But yes, we're not even 90 days old. They're night and day.
2: Yeah, 100%. I, I had somebody say to me at the last race, um, uh, a listener of my show, and, and they said, you know, the first one was a little rough, <laughs> but you sound good now. You sound just like you do in person. And I'm like, yeah, sorry. You know? <laughs> did, did you have to learn the whole sound thing? I mean... I still, I still, I mean, I'm still like... They just look like dials and buttons and knobs to me, um, but my brother kind of g- steered me in the right direction on you know what needs to be where. So I got a pretty good feel. But typically, like I try to leave it set up from time to time so that like if I sounded good last time, hopefully I sound the same this time. You know,
0: <laughs> I have a great helper, my daughter Valeria. She okay. really gets into the editing, uh, the sound. Uh, where my other daughter uh, Paula is into how the package is presented and how you market it. So I I get hit from both sides. We are listening to background musics. We're listening to how the, the episodes sound, you know, episode two, if you go back and listen to Danny Prather's episode. Okay. Yep. Birds. The birds. only thing I ever hear is, is birds. Because okay, because you can hear I them in the background. Well, I don't have a sound studio. Right, neither do I. Yeah. And I was doing it in the patio in okay. the evening when the birds were out. Sure. The microphone is so sensitive, all it picks up is the birds. You can barely hear us talking.
2: Oh, uh, I know. I don't know about you, too, but I listen to like the little imperfections and like the way I say things and it drives me insane. Sometimes like, um, I'm, glad I'm not the only one like whether I throw an, um, out there or whatever it is. And that's like all I hear you'd swear I said it 10 times in a row. And, uh, and then sometimes like, I'll go back and I'll listen to like an old episode that isn't fresh in my mind. And I'm like, Oh, this sounds really good. (laughs) You know, but when it's like fresh, I'm like overanalyzing everything. So the craziest thing too, and I don't know how it is for you, but, um, like you said, you know, how, how big it's blowing up. I can't believe how many people are interested in it and how many people care to listen. You know, when you, when you talk about all the different countries that are listening and all these things, and I'm like, I just would have never guessed that that many people cared, especially like when I'm talking about myself and I'm like, I don't know why people want to listen to me that much, you know, but, um, When, when, you know, you're like, just like you, when you're producing something good. And like I tell people, we basically have no competition. You know, it's, it's you and I, like as an ATV person, you know, you listen to, you listen to Digging Deep and you listen to ATV talk and then you go back and you listen to them again, because that's what you love to do. So exactly,
0: exactly. And, and, and I'm listening to my own stuff. Uh, enjoying the story, the, the the 12th or 13th time that I've heard exactly.
2: it. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Oh, oh, I didn't remember hearing that part.
0: And mm-hmm. it, it's, it's phenomenal to me that we are growing and I know that you're still growing. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I can do a little bit of research. I'm not very good at it. Trust me, but I can, <laughs> I can see some of the research in the growth and yes, And somebody asked me, well, why would you have your competitor on? Well, it's just like when you go to the races, okay, and you're in the pits and whether it be Curtis or whether it be Alan Knowles or whether it be one of the other guys in the industry and their guy has got a problem and there's nobody there to help him. If you walk over and lend a hand, that just gained the industry a leg up. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm not having my competitor on. I'm having my partner in business on because we can only grow together. We can only get bigger together. And we're only going to make the industry better. And our listener base and our consumers are are only going
2: to, our fans are only going to enjoy it more. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that, I mean, that's what ATV racing is all about. It's always been about that togetherness. It's always been about that family atmosphere, Uh, same way. I mean, it's not me being on another ATV, you know, pod, like on my, on my competitors' podcast, like that's not it. I view it as, Hey, I'm going on an ATV podcast, you know, like that's awesome. You know, even though I do the same thing, it's again, it's, 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 um, just like you said, just like two racers, pushing each other to be better. Like I feel like that's kind of the same thing when you can collaborate. And like I said, again, I said this before you hit record, um, but to have a conversation with somebody who also is, is doing ATV podcasts, which you and I have probably, I mean, we've never done that before. You've never conversed with another ATV podcaster. So that in itself is, is pretty cool because um, I feel like you and I can connect in a way that probably nobody else can. So I'm so new. I've never spoke to anybody that else has ever done a podcast. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I haven't either other than being, you know, I, I got invited on some of like the dirt bike podcasts or whatever, but, Mm -hmm. um, other than that, yeah, me neither. Like I don't, because even we're still like, we're still like non-techie racer types. So you can't (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Like you and you and I don't fit the podcaster mold, you know? So, so, um, yeah, again, like, you and I can only connect in this way. And we probably wouldn't connect with any other, uh, like quote unquote podcast people outside of, of the, the motorsports industry. We don't speak the right language. You're exactly right. Yeah. We're just two average guys that somehow have online radio shows. Exactly. Well, you know, I'm still more comfortable with a wrench in my hand, building a bike
0: or uh-huh. tuning a machine and doing something like that because it's still what I do. Yep. This is will you try not to be nervous i try not to think about it i just try to sit down and have a conversation because that's all it is me
2: too yeah me too you can't i, I this, mean I, you can't make it bigger than it is exactly i mean obviously like i do get that little bit of like anxious you know i don't know <laughs> or whatever isn't the word, but you get a little anxious because I just want it to always go well. But nice. um, that that's why I said like on this side of the on this side of the mic where I'm not the host, um, I feel like it, it's even a little easier because it's like I just get to, to talk ATV racing, which like you said, is is your and my both of our first loves. So I feel like uh, that's the that's the easy thing. That's the easy part.
0: Exactly, you know, we, we've we've talked some podcasts, we've we've shared some of our our podcasting uh, episode stories. You know, yeah. Um, I want to know when you go back and you look at your race career, do you miss not being in the pro
2: grind? Um, I do. You know, so I guess at such an early age. I, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a professional ATV racer, just like probably so many people my age, you know, we grew up watching the Wavos videos and watching, you know, I mean, I was just diehard fan of, you know, the Doug Gus and Shane hit and Tim Farr and Jeremiah and all those guys. Right. So like, that's literally all I wanted to do. And in my mind, there was no doubt that I was ever going to do that. Um, so even at an early age, like I transitioned into racing motocross and I was pretty good like right away, but we were, we never, I never got the opportunity to really do it on a national like level all the time. So as I got a little older into my teen years, early teens, I guess, you know, we'd go to like a race or two a year and, and probably like the naive, you know, kid that I was, you know i'm like if i do good at this race like somebody's going to notice me you know right so that that was always my um kind of my motivation and um so even when i in 2006 i showed up at um the the walnut the sunset ridge national in one um the 300 EX class, which was a pretty big and prestigious class at the time. Like that was the, that was the stepping stone class. And I won. And I actually got protested because nobody figured anybody could just come in unannounced, have nobody Mm -hmm. know who they are and win, and I was legal obviously. Um, And then the next year we scraped the money together. Cause again, to that point, we never, we just didn't have, I never even like, it was never even a conversation cause I just knew, Hey, we don't have the means to be able to travel the country to race these quads. And up until that point, my dad was still racing, you know, full-time locally. But I mean, it, I, I was never going to steal dad's thunder either. Like it was never thought so um, long winded to getting to your question here. But, but, uh, just the pro thing was always my goal. So I win a national championship in 2007, same on a 300 EX. So that same class. I move up um, the next year. I was going to turn 16 in the middle of the year, moved up to 450A, and I won 450A my very first race. And then, like the next year, I was already in Pro Am. But the problem was, you know, for like that span of a couple years there, like that was 2008 ish, 2008, 2009. That's when the, when the recession hit. Yep. And so in 2007, I win that championship. And I am sure because there's factory rides galore in motocross at that point. Like there's 20 guys that are factory affiliated. The whole pro class is. I'm literally racing guys at local races that have factory rides and beating them but I'm not old enough to ride a full size quad at the nationals yet. So like in my mind, I'm like, I'm for sure going to be a factory affiliated rider. And then the recession hits and all that goes away. So I really thought I was going to win that championship in 2007 and get a support ride from somebody. And that's going to be my way to be at the nationals for the foreseeable future that doesn't happen. And from 2000, so all of, so 9, 10, 11, I'm just going to a handful of races, not even a handful. I'm going to one or two nationals a year. The close ones to me, Redbud and Sunset Ridge, Illinois. Those are the only go-to. And like, I, I wish I could tell, I could show people, I don't even know how to explain it. Um, that that was my, that was my life. Like I still hadn't given up the dream. Like that's what, but, but still like that's all I focused on was ATV racing. And and obviously with my parents having a, you know, you know, a, a dealership and, and, you know, focusing on ATV racing stuff, especially back then doing motors and, you know, control arms and stuff like that. I mean, it was my life through and through, but that's, I just hadn't given up the dream. Well, I trained for whatever reason. I don't know what lit a fire under my butt in 2011, but I was like, this is the last I must've been, and it must've been almost 20, you know? So I was like just around that 18 or a little bit of over 18. So I was, um, you know, I was, that's like the, okay, this is your last straw type of thing. Like you better, you need to, you need to either move on or, or make it. So I went, I was hurt at the beginning of the year for some reason I didn't go to Illinois and I went to Redbud, and I won both motos in must like four, five, whatever the fastest a class would have been at the time. I won both motos in that class, both motos in 16 to 24. And I finished fourth in pro-am. And again, that was like unannounced. And I remember being on the podium, like pleading, like, Man, I just need somebody to give me a chance. I just need somebody to give me a chance and you know um and and you know i'll I'll I'm gonna do something with it basically and I got a call the next morning or maybe two mornings later. um My dad actually picked up the call at the shop they called Jansen Motorsports, and it was a, a guy named Phil Bierster whose daughter raced at the time. She was a good motocross racer. And, uh, he said he was going to give me, give me what I needed to give me a shot. So, um, fast forward 2012 and now I'm for the first time since 2007, I'm going to go to all the nationals and, uh, yeah, I mean, everything kind of went really well from there. I podiumed at the very first race right behind Cody Gibson, who was a legend. Um, so I, I mean, getting second to Cody Gibson in pro am was winning basically like nobody was going to beat him. He just, he's killed us all year, but, um, he was just next level. So I would have won a lot of races that year if it wasn't for him. But, uh, I finished on the podium even in points, but at that very first race, even the, the Rodney Tomblin, the PA announcer, um, for the ATV national said, you know, I had heard for so long if Cody Jansen could just get to the races, if Cody Jansen could just get to the races. So it was cool to, um, you know, kind of feel like I made the most of my opportunity. I finished third that year in pro-am and, um, and I won a national championship of the next year. And then after that, at the end of that 2013 season, I went pro and, um, And the following year, 2014, I won pro rookie of the year. And then after that 15, 16 and 17, 17 was my last year racing pro and it was just a grind. I had gotten hurt a few times and then it must've been 16. I crashed really hard at Texas in Texas and broke a bone in my back, broke my ankle, broke my eye socket and um, messed up a couple other vertebrae in my back. And uh, what I should have done is stopped. I should have let myself get healthy, but I didn't. I just motored through. And that had a lot to do with me eventually stepping away from the pro thing because for so long, and I did some damage to my body through that, Um, that I still feel obviously to this day. But I felt like for so long, I was racing like with my one arm tied behind my back because my mind would go faster than what my body would let me. Um, So that kind of factored into me stepping away from the pro thing. But the other thing was And I truly, I don't, I I probably never said this before, but I was such a fan of the sport and such a fan of the guys that I was racing with when you're lining up next to Chad Wienan and Joel Hetrick and Josh Creamer and John Natale and Josh Upperman and and Joe bird and all these guys that were like my heroes, my biggest, (laughs) biggest heroes. I was just, I was like mentally beat you know, like I was always so successful and then I got there and it was like, it'd be like, you know, being at the free throw line with Michael Jordan standing next to you or whatever. Like, I just feel like, yeah, I mean, I just, I loved those guys so much still. I was racing with them and i was still fans of them and I just don't know how healthy that was at the time. But yeah, I, I, I do like, I love, I love, that I got to, you know, achieve my goal and, and be a professional, you know, I was a, never obviously a champion or anything like that. I was a top 10 rider. I won rookie of the year. Um, all that was so cool. Um, I wouldn't trade that for anything, but I tell people now, cause I, I still like, I feel like in the last two years I'm the, the best rider I've ever been. Um, I still feel like, I've continued to get better even since I stepped away from the pro class, probably because I just found, I fell in love with it again because the grind of the pro class is so tough. The pro class is so damn fast and to be able to compete with some of those guys that are, um, doing it all day, every day with big time financial support and all that stuff. So, um, it's a grind just to even keep up and keep yourself running and, and like that whole deal. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't trade it for anything. But where I was going with that was until about last year, last year at the end of the year, I was, I was, I was just about to go pro at the, to make a return at the end of the year after I wrapped up my national championship in the 25 plus class. And, uh, that was right when digging deep was getting big. And I ended up saying, you know what? I should probably, I should probably cover the finale as a media person rather than be out there on the racetrack. And now I literally, I get, me- I've been getting messages this week since I wrapped up my second national championship in a row here, saying, when are you going back to the pro class? And literally, I haven't. I don't know that I've said it back to anybody, but in my head, I, I'm like. I'm a media guy now. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how hard it is to say that that we're in the media? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't I'm, look I'm not, at my, I'm not a media guy. I'm still I'm still a race mechanic. Right. I don't look at myself that way, but like other people are like, oh, the media. Like you're the media, you know. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh like I just to tie a bow on that, I I am so grateful to have done what I did for so long. But um do I miss, like, I miss everything that comes along with the pro class, but the money you have to invest in yourself to do it. Um, that whole grind and and the grind just, I was having a conversation with a rider last week at the track, uh, like an amazingly talented rider in the pro class and the pro class is in the process of breaking him. And I could feel that feeling cause I was once there. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I love it all. I miss everything that comes along with it, but I also like what I'm doing now too, because when I was say an eighth, like when I'd finished seventh or eighth, like that would be a really good weekend for me in my pro career. And in those stacked classes, like that was, that was good. Well, I tell people this like, nobody knew, nobody knew, like you could finish sixth. That was like winning, you know, on, on our budget and nobody knew only your crew knew how you did. Nobody else knew. Well, I guess with digging deep. And originally when I started it, it was just a podcast. Well, I've kind of transitioned into trying to be a little bit of a quote unquote media guy and just, being able to showcase some stories or storylines or other, you know, quote unquote news that happens at the ATV motocross nationals. So, you'll see if you ever look at my my like my Instagram or Facebook page for digging deep that I'll showcase if if, you know, if West Lewis finishes 8th, which he did last weekend. That's a killer finish for West Lewis, so I let people know about that. And I feel like it's almost like I found my calling. It's almost like not like Um, like you said, you hate to call yourself a media guy, but it's almost like I feel more comfortable being a media guy than I ever was as a pro rider because I fit in with the pro class perfectly fine. But I now feel like it's just like my calling to fill some of that void and showcase some of those stories and give credit to those guys in the middle of the, the pro class that don't get any exposure anywhere else. They're getting it from digging deep because I wish I would have had that coverage when I was racing the AMA ATV pro motocross class. Which I understand that
0: because look at some of the guests that I've picked um, may not be, an international star or a national star. They may yep. have only been a regional guy. And yep. you know, you could use Danny Prather. Yep. Uh, you could use Tori. I can never say her name. Matysic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yep. She's a works gal. She's the fastest gal at works. Uh, she's the reigning champion. And, and who knows? Nobody in the world knows who she is, and knows how hard she works. Right. Uh, yep. You know, and and it's important to me so that you have an outlet for your story. Um, that's not why I, I reached out to you. I reached out to you because you're a fellow ATV guy, and mm-hmm. you, you do have a chance. You need a platform so that you don't get to talk as the as the as the host. You get to talk as the guest, and you get to tell the story that you always want to tell. That yep. you can never tell because you're behind the mic instead of in front of it.
2: Yeah. And honestly, when I started my, my podcast, I was so careful because I didn't want anybody to think that I was doing it for my own personal exposure. Cause that wasn't it at all. So I was so careful to not mention anything about my own racing then slowly over time, it, it was like, well, people were asking for it a little bit, but I still, to this day, I mean, you'll hear, you know, maybe my, me reference my national championships and the ad reads that get played every week. But other than that, other, unless I'm talking about a part of the track or something with a rider that I have on, I try not to like, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to, I don't, I don't know. I just, when I, especially when I first started it, I never wanted people to think I was trying to get personal gain from, you know, this, because that wasn't it. Just like you, I just enjoy talking ATVs and ATV racing. And that's, that's what it's all about for me.
0: Well, I tried to hide that it was me. Okay. Not have me, be, you know, yeah, it's, it's my show. It's my gig. It's my, my thing. And and I want to tell their story and I want the outlet to be here. Um, and my team sat me down and, and told me, uh, we're sorry, but you're the porthole. You're the yeah. guy. So yep. yes, your photos going out here. Yes. Your voice is going to be here. And they even made me do an episode. I know I saw and I'm like, I didn't want to do that. I, I, no, I don't, I don't want,
2: you know, I really like uh, that though. I like how the way that you even promote the show with you talking and, um, and just basically, you know, giving a little expert excerpt of talking about, you know, the pod, your podcast. I like that because it gives it a, instead of just being a voice, it gives you like, a persona almost that somebody can connect with. Like I like that, you know, I because agree. I because even with I mean, I like some people I feel like without that, you're like not approachable, if that makes sense. You know? So so it's like you soften your image to be inviting. And just by you just by you showing those little videos and excerpts and, and kind of selling your product basically um I like that. I just think it's a great look for, for your, your podcast, your show. Well,
0: you know, the, the little videos we do to promote each episode, Yep. we go to a different location every time. And, um, that was all generated from the girls, you know, telling me that, no, this is what you have to do. People have to How are they going to know if you don't tell them? Right. Yeah. I love that. You know, standing out there cleaning the pool that day, well, what a better time to do it than, you know, hey, we're here. Yeah.
2: Well, and, and, and I like that too, because even like, so, you know, whether like when you're writing up your little bio for each episode, you know, and, um, and I mean, mine will be like pretty lengthy because I want people to know like what they can expect from each episode. Well, I, I, people probably don't even read them. Right. So with yours, when you do a little video, I like that when you do a little video, it's like, Oh, cause you or I were much more likely to listen to or watch a video than yes. to read three paragraphs of something on, on a sheet of paper. Right. So in general, I just, I think it's a great thing. I, I love it. I like, uh, I try to keep as,
0: the, the writing down as much as possible. Sure. Uh, yep. And, and you're going to laugh. I do most of everything I do freehand, just Dude. just winging it right off the top of my head. Uh, you know, I, I I read your bio, and I yep. have some some. If I need factual numbers, I go get them. Sure. Yeah. For the most part, it's just all off the top of my head um, because um, you'll. I'm going to release a, a Facebook commercial here real soon. Okay. And, and it was just my daughter and I are sitting here and she hits record and I started talking and when she hit stop, it was exactly what I wanted, exactly the way I wanted, um, with no written words. Uh, there's a second one that'll come out and you can tell it's more scripted because I write down, I did write down things. Um, we love our sport. We love what we do. You you can't replace ATV racing with anything else or ATVs, building them, uh, working on them with with anything in my life, you know? And, um, so when you're talking about it or when I'm talking about it, everything comes from within Mm -hmm. um, the the passion that I have for it, the, the love of the sport, you know, whether it be guys like Chad or Joel, I've never met Joel. I can't wait you know, I think I hear great things about him. Um, you you know, I've met Josh creamer. I've met some of these other guys and, and I've got to be a lineup against them and spend time with them. You know, Joe bird, when he was starting out, um, you know, there's, there's, there's just history with, with East coast, West coast for me, and then Mm -hmm. traveling to South America and then stuff I've done in Europe. Yeah. Every guy that I talk to, there's a a connection because they love it as much as I do. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's just like I'm sitting here looking into your eyes and I can just see the passion, the fire, the little little flames are burning. Uh There's no extinguishing that. There's no quenching it. Uh, until you get to either talk about it again or you get to go experience it
2: exactly and like you talked about with you know basically not scripting anything i think it's all it's better that way because it's more from the heart that way like it's just it's more it's so authentic because you're not reading you're just talking about how you feel it's like you don't really need a script um if you're talking about something that you love and enjoy so much right. and and it, you're exactly right. Same like with what you and I do, you're creating an atmosphere. So the listener feels like they're sitting in or part of a conversation about ATV racing, which again, you rewind and you put you or I listening to, you know, your previous episodes, this conversation, whatever, um, a few years ago when they weren't existent and you would have been gobbling it up. So again, like to, to fill that void for people to give them that it's just, um, obviously it's what we love, but we love the sport so much. You're helping support the sport that we love by doing this. You know, you're making it stronger. And I always think, I mean, knowledge is power and the more educated the listener or the fan is, um, the stronger the sport is as a whole, and like with I what I referenced earlier with talking about guys that aren't necessarily just the first two if you're not I mean I'm not talking about when I'm talking about current racing I'm not talking about you know um, Joel and Chad and every in every conversation in every episode and every post whatever no like I'm talking about the guys all the way through the class and and hopefully that's you know, people are more in tune, more in touch, and caring more about everybody on the racetrack, and that just makes a more healthier, well-rounded sport as a whole because the, they don't just talk about the Super Bowl champ or, or the the Super Bowl MVP. They're talking about stories throughout the whole sport. I mean, there's some of the best stories you ever hear aren't about the biggest superstars. They're about, they're about somebody who is battling something, some, uh, whether it be some adversity of some kind. So that's why I like to showcase those things, those stories. Like, um, you know, like Wes Lewis was on my show this week. And you think about, you think about the pro class being, guys that were champions at every level, right? Like that's how sports works in the dirt bike world too. whatever. Like that's how it works. They won at every level and now they're pros. And that's what makes the pro class so tough is because everybody's been a winner. Well, yes. Wes Lewis, who is also racing the pro mod class, it's a new class this year in pro motor er, or in motocross, ATV motocross. He won, he just won his, his first national championship ever. And he's 29 years old and he's wow. a pro and nobody would know that nobody else would. So like, I like, it's cool to highlight those types of stories or or any story that's like untold, which again, I'll let it leave it, let it lie after this. But like I started my whole show based off of wanting to tell Chad Weenan's story because it was so unique. He was the only one that had that kind of story of starting off solo, having the opportunity to go play football have a scholarship to go play football. He could have, maybe he could have made it to the NFL, but he chose to be, you know, an amateur ATV rider at the time. And now look where he is. (laughs) He's on the brink of being a seven time pro champion. And it's like, what a story, you know, what a story. I mean, he most like his first part of his pro career was, I mean, when people typically end their career, he hadn't even won yet. And now he's won for like almost a decade straight getting, you know, with the exception of two years.
0: I was back there working with Tavis Kane when he was yeah. now.
2: Exactly. Yes. It, it's just, it's, it's so crazy. And he's like that leftover guy from, you know, that era, which I think to me is, is what's always made me a fan of Chad because it's like, you're just hanging on to that little bit of a, of the you know of the he was still on the backside of that era that i grew up loving so much but he was still like connected with those guys a little bit and that's why um i just think it's so cool to see him at his age mixing it up with these kids and still being like the class of the field or you know you know him and joel are the two big top figureheads but um yeah it's just it, it's it's cool because uh he's like that leftover guy from that, that generation that I grew up idolizing the last tough hero. Yeah. It's, it's just, it, you're because, because the other guys that are, I mean, other like Joel and I are the same age, Jeffrey and I, Jeffrey Australia and I are the same age. Thomas would be a little older, but other than that, like now these are kids, you know, like they're younger than me. So it
0: doesn't even coming in. Thomas was coming in. As all the old greats were leaving, he yeah. was starting to roll in, and yep. he was picking up some of the the momentum as those guys roll out. Let me ask you this question: I've been around a long time, and I've evaluated the classes and the and the riders um being alongside with them when they were young, and then yep. being alongside of some of the same guys as they got older and If you look at some of your best champions. Look at their ages. I don't know if a lot of people really think about this. Your greatest ATV racers are
2: over the age 32. You're exactly right. You're exactly See now this this is my theory on that. Now, it was different, it was different 20 or 25 years ago. But like I said, I'm a dirt bike, I'm a dirt bike guy. I follow motocross and supercross super. I mean, I always have super closely. And two wheeled motocross, you go to the lights class when you go pro. So you have time to kind of find your footing as a professional against other guys in a similar, in a similar age and spot in life to you, right? Well, in ATV motocross, which kind of gets into what I was talking about before is it's so tough because when I went pro again, I had to start next to Chad Weenan, John Natale, Josh Kramer, Joe Bird, all these guys. So it's like, those are my heroes. So it's very tough. Like when you are a top, like you have to pay your dues in that class, right? Like, like I just said, that's part of what makes a cl- uh, a guy like Chad Weenan so special is because he hung in there for a lot of years where it was tough. Like, Again, like he struggled to be a top 10 guy for a few years. Then he was starting, like he started to move up the ranks and, and it took him a long time to get up there. And I feel like that's what has a lot to do with that is because these kids come in and they're legitimately setting the world on fire, but they're in sixth place or they're in seventh place because those top five guys, I mean, for the last like five years, Thomas Chad, Joel are the big three. You basically can't ever break them up. Yeah. Then Jeffrey gets in there a little bit, but he was in, the, you know, it, part of the big four, we called it for a lot of years. And then, then, so now like you, like I, I said, I remember saying this to people like on my best day, it's like, Yeah, but I have no chance of touching those guys. So like my best spot I'm going for is fifth, you know, Uh, like, you know, and I feel like that's what has a lot to do with it. It's like, if you got into, gosh, I don't know. Like, it's like, if you got, say you get into boxing or something, but when you first get in as a pro, you have to, you have to fight the baddest guy in the sport for your first, for your first fight. And that's basically how this sport of ATV motocross is, because when when you go pro, you're not racing against guys that are also 18 or 20 years old. You're racing against the, the fastest ATV riders on the planet and some of the fastest ATV racers ever, period. So it takes the right kind of person. That's, I guess what I'm getting at is it takes the right kind of person to either, even endure that grind. And then when you see that very select few that are able to like ascend themselves up there, they're, they're cut from a different cloth, you know, I think it comes from, it takes
0: longer to learn our trade. Yep. Um, I was, I was discussing this with Dustin Nelson. Okay. Yep. And love love said, that guy. By the way. Oh, he's freaking phenomenal, isn't he? Yeah. So, to be a pro ATV rider is harder than it is to be a pro motorcycle rider because a pro motorcycle guy can take that two wheeler and put it on the same patch of dirt every lap for twenty laps and ride it as hard as he wants. Yep. And never have an issue. Yep. But to be a pro ATV guy, you have to pick for that twenty laps where you can go fast and what you're going to do to your machine. If you ride it as hard as you can for 20 laps, because it won't live. You're exactly right. Yes. And you can't hit your mark every time because right. there's so many variables with four wheels, right? As an amateur, it's easier to be a ATV rider than it is in the motorcycle world because of the same exact reasons.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. You're hundred so, percent right.
0: I believe as I've watched the sport because I worked with, with Doug Eichner, who's a multi-time champion in many, many different things. Yes. Uh, But he didn't get really fast. He didn't, he was winning championships in the off-road racing in his forties.
2: Yeah. Okay. That's unheard of. It is. Yeah. it's, It's that it's that it's like, it's, it's mental. It's like, it's, it's, so it's all, it's all the stuff you learn. It's all that muscle memory. It's all that old man strength yep. that I feel like is so important in this sport. And just like you said, the, the, the writing's on the wall. Like all you got to do is look at the record books and it's, it's riddled with older guys. Um, have you, you don't you just any, go ahead any history on Gary Denton. Oh yeah. I mean, yes, he was. Yes, exactly. So that's so like when we, 'cause, (laughs) cause he was on, so, so I didn't know a ton about Gary Denton. Um, other than how, you know, you always heard about how gnarly he was, like how good he was. Um, and you obviously, everybody knows the eight time champ thing, but I didn't know much about him. And yeah, like to hear his story, then when I talk to him, and you, you hear all the stuff he did first, all the years of chasing the two wheel dream, and, you know, being on the brink of a factory ride, and all these things he talks about, and then he just falls into riding ATVs. And hey, I'm pretty good at it. So I might as well do it, right? right? Right. And um It's amazing. But he, we, I remember saying this to him, like, Hey, like you are on the exact for totally different reasons, but you were on the exact same age trajectory as Chad Weenan, Identical mid third, like mid thirties was where Gary ended, you know, his, his, his big eight championships thing and late thirties. And that's, yeah. And that's, you know, Chad's not far from there and he's not far from eight. So it's like all the people that said nobody will ever get close to Gary. It's like Gary just had a second coming. Cause that's what Chad is. That's how I think about it. It's like Gary doing it all over again.
0: Yeah. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be amazing to see how that all breaks down. Yeah. And, you know, it, I thought, watching Chad a few years back, yep. I was thinking, man, I don't know. He's getting a little older. He's losing a step. And then he changed something in his program. And I don't know what it was. Cause I'm not that close. Right. He changed something. Either he changed something in his training or he changed something in his
2: lifestyle and it elevated his game again because he got faster. All of, it's all of it. His bikes are better. He's always making those quads better. They figured out some stuff with the engine and the programming and yeah, then him as a person, he just decided he needed to get lighter. He figured out different kinds of stuff with his diet because with Joel being so small, um, Chad needed to make up for it somewhere. So he tried to make up for it everywhere and he did it successfully. Um, he's like, he's like, you look at him and he's like Tom Brady or something. Like he's just so cut. You, you, he doesn't have an extra ounce of weight on his body. Like he's so in touch with his whole program. Um, that's what makes it so amazing is it's like, you know, when other guys might, you know, they have a cheat meal or they have a couple of drinks with their buddies or whatever, like, Chad, don't do that because I think he knows he can't. You know, he they knows can't. that. He there'll be life.
1: That,
0: he
2: needs there'll that extra advantage. You know,
0: there'll be life after. And, yes, and that's one of the problems with our sport, and that's I think one of our problems with a lot of sports is you take these guys that have the skill set, they have the drive, they can do it, but what they don't understand is the self sacrifice it takes to get where you want to be.
2: Absolutely, you know.
0: I, 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 you know I don't want to sound arrogant in any way, shape, or form, but you don't get to be a good mechanic working Monday through Friday, eight to five. No, It takes giving up your weekends, giving up nights, doing sacrificing things that you would never not do. I mean, you you're, you're taking time away from your family, your children, and you're working on things that you really have no business working on it. But the only way that you get better is to, sacrifice and learn the ins and outs of how to make this, all the machines that you work on, whether it be a Yamaha, Honda, Kawasaki, Suzuki, whatever it is, yep. you have to
2: learn how to make them all work. Isn't it funny how, cause I've just like you, I've been in the industry for my whole life. Cause even when I was a little boy, I saw my parents, you know, work in their business and I don't even know what a nine to five job is. I don't even know what that life is like, you know, where I, there was, I mean, dad would go to work at five o'clock in the morning and work until 10 30 at night and come home and sleep quick. And you got to keep grinding. Like that's how, that's how making a thing off of a hobby is. And it's the same as a mechanic. Like, you just need to keep grinding and yeah, there's no walking like a mechanic doesn't just walk out at five o'clock cause it's five o'clock, right? Like it doesn't work that way. Like you, you finish the project that you started and then you leave. And, yep. and, and then there's another project waiting for you in the morning. It's, it's, you're the exact, you're exactly right. Like in, in anybody that's good at their craft, anybody doing anything like you don't, Walk out at five o'clock. Like that's the, job just never, not... the,
0: the job doesn't stop.
2: You exactly.
0: Know, there's a yep. text message. There's an email. There's there's a phone call. Um, yeah. I, since I have customers all over the world, the the, the the device is constantly working, and I'm constantly whether it be ATV talk, whether it be me working on uh, the the business that takes care of prepping and 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 going to the races or it it comes to working at Duncan racing, one of the three I'm doing all the time. So it it never stops.
2: Um, Exactly. And that's, that's, I mean, that's a taxing thing too, when you can't ever unplug, but I don't know any different. You don't know any different either. You know, what would I do? You know, right. The first
0: year in 30 years that I haven't traveled to the races. Oh, Wow. And that that had to be an adjustment. Now you're filling your time with this. Thank God. Um, you know, uh, I like seeing my wife, you know, granted I'm busy. I'm still working every day. Of course. Yeah. Being home with my wife on a Saturday is it's, it's kind of cool. You know, I'm sure it is. I understand what normal people in the world are doing. Hey, wow, this is great. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I bet. Yeah, that's, that's cool. And then it takes the right kind of, right kind of wife or right, the right kind of partner to to endure all of that up till then, you know, so you probably, probably owe it to her. She was probably a trooper for a long time. Well, um, we've been married, we'll be married two years this December.
0: Okay. and, And, um, obviously blended family Um, was born in Guadalajara and uh, she has a work ethic that you know I thought I like to work oh man this woman can work okay it's it's before sun up till deep into the night she she's always doing something so uh, when she's seen me going to the nationals on the west coast and yep. then going to a smaller series and then going to the best in the desert. And, and I'm out there in the morning and at night prepping bikes, loading the truck and then driving away. She had no problem. She understood. Yeah. Well, got it. You know, you know, Yeah, I love, I love that. The only thing she said is you take a shower before you get in the bed.
2: yeah yeah yeah, that sounds like that sounds like my other half too hey she's like she's like you smell like shop take a shower (laughs) exactly you know you don't you don't get to do this out you know yeah exactly yeah that's funny
0: it's 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 awesome i don't know what i would do without atv racing Mm -hmm. Uh, you know our, my life, our life. Uh, you know, I bring up Duncan racing because yes, I am a Duncan and yes, I've worked at Duncan racing for over yeah, 30 years. Of course. Oh yeah. You know, even longer if you take it back to when my dad owned it. And, uh, I don't know, not working seven days a week. I don't know. You know, my brother calls me on a Sunday morning. He's got an issue with an engine. He needs help. You know, I drive over to the the, the engine facility and, you know, we work on an engine for a few hours or do whatever we got to do. Um,
2: and, and that's just normal life. You know, you exactly those things. Exactly. I mean, I don't know what else, what else, I mean, it makes me, it makes me who I am. Like every bit of me is ATV racing. And I've always told people like, I can't explain it. And when I was doing, when my sole gig was my own racing program, battle this feeling of other than my sponsors and my, my family or like my fan, my, my following, nobody cares. Like nobody really cares what I'm working on. You know, what I like in my mind, I wake up in the morning, I wake up long before the sun comes up. I go to the gym. I, you know, I'm, I'm working in the shop all day, working on my stuff, traveling the country, whatever. I'm like, I'm grinding so hard and nobody like nobody's benefiting from it other than my sponsors. If I do good, like nobody really cares. Um, that's I guess why like I get such a natural high off of the podcasting because I'm literally putting out a product, you're putting out a product that people get enjoyment from, yeah and love exactly and 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 that's what makes me feel the best about like what you or what I am doing for ATV racing. Cause you're truly benefiting what you love. And I tell people all the time, like within this sport, you're not going to get rich, right? Like, w- like across the board, it doesn't matter what you're doing it, within, you're not going to get rich, but I am a rich man. I'm a rich man in all the experiences that ATV racing has given me. I'm a rich man in all of the friendships that I have, all my best friends, just like you are probably the same way. My best friends are racing people. I'm a rich man in in being able to see the country because I get to ride four wheelers. That's what got me there. I'm a rich man because ATV racing has given me all these tools to be successful in whatever I do. And that's why like ATV racing is like what, like it's in, it's literally in my DNA. It makes me what I am. And without it, I would have absolutely no identity. When you bleed, you bleed dirty oil. Exactly, exactly <laughs> I couldn't have said it any better
0: hey you know it it it, it is what it is uh you know th- th- there are so many things that we can that we can compare notes on uh, as far as you know i I have extended family all over the world with people that I've got to just spend time with and and have just uh, amazing times with i i can't even i can't even think of all the stories you're talking about you being a rich man and uh, i i always want to sit down and if i could write the stories and just write the book yep. um in our atv world it would be a bestseller because the atv people like yourself and 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 some of the others they'd all, they'd be reading the story and they would be putting their name in there and going, yeah, I remember doing this. And I remember, uh-huh. doing and um, it, you know, and you mentioned about your, your friends back home. I talk to my friends. I have one friend from high school that I still really keep in contact with. Okay. The only reason I'm keeping t- contact with him is because he freaking grabs me by the ear every once in a while and says, Hey, we're still here, man. Yeah. Uh, all the rest of them kind of lost track because my world went in a totally different direction. Uh, I went and played in the dirt while they were building families and, you know, going on vacations and spending time with this or going to house parties or, you know, yeah. Yeah. How many Valentine parties or, or Halloween parties did you not go to because you were getting ready
2: for a race or at a race? Oh, exactly. Or even trace it back farther than that. And when, when I was in high school or when I was a, a growing kid, I didn't go to parties because I didn't like, I didn't want to associate with any of that crowd. Like I had a bigger goal. Like I wanted to be a professional ATV racer. So didn't surround myself with any kind of crowd like that. And that's one, that's another thing that we, I mean, we haven't touched on, but like, that's what's so cool about this sport is, um, it can give kids an outlet to, you know, obviously to go do good things with their life, maybe keep them out of trouble, give them, you know, them motivation to do other things. I think it's something that a parent can say, Hey, you know, you got to keep your grades up because otherwise we can't go to the track on the weekend or, you know, so it gives them a reason to stay on the straight and narrow. Um, but you know, the, I mean, the other thing is like in stick and ball sports, you're chasing your dream. You know, you're going to baseball games, trying to make your name as a baseball, young baseball player, get an opportunity to get a scholarship and then keep climbing that ladder. You're doing that with your buddies you know, riding the bus to different games. Well, to do this, you're probably doing it with your family, traveling the country with your family. And I, I was talking to somebody at the last event and um, they were telling me, you know, this is your time. Like, you got to get out of this. You got to start banking money away. You got to go start living the American dream. And I'm like the last 10 years, the last 10 years that I spent traveling in the country with my family, with my mom and dad from 18 to 28, Um, you could tell me you were going to put a million dollars in my bank account, or I was going to have these last, you know, this last decade of making memories, doing what I love learning again, all the skills that I've, you know, I've acquired and then honed doing this. And I wouldn't hesitate for a second to tell you that I made the right decision by doing that. And I wouldn't trade those last 10 10 years for a million dollars. I'd never do it. I wouldn't even, wouldn't even consider it for a half second.
0: Well the, the the saying is if you find a job you love you never work a day in your life. Yep. Well, I don't think I've really ever I mean there's days but for the most part I don't think I've worked because my dad is is my hero just as yours is and and yep. I've been blessed my dad is still alive he's still teaching. Uh, He's 85 years old. No, he's not as quick as he used to be. And he's not, you know, as fluent on some things as he used to be. But if you want to learn how to do something on a machine, or you need to take a bolt out, or you're working on a a pressing something apart, dad still has a better way to do it than I've ever thought of doing.
2: Oh, that's, that's so cool because I I can relate so well because my dad talks about, you know, my grandpa, his dad, and he tells stories about the same thing about him being so good at fixing things, could fix anything, figure anything out. And I listen to my dad, tell those stories. And I'm like, thinking to myself, dad, that's how you are to me, you know? you're the problem, you're the problem solver. You're the first, you're the one that I want to learn from on something. You're my, like, to me, like, I just want to be his sponge and you're talking about the same thing. And, and again, I mean, it's just, this is such a, I mean, it's almost making the hair on my arm stand up because it's like your story is the same as my story. And it's, but it's all brought together, like tied together by motorsports. And I just, I mean, even like you talking about working with your brother and all those things, like it's just a big family deal. I just, that's why you just can't get away from it. Yeah. I can say anything
0: in the world I want about my brother but doesn't anybody <laughs> else dare to because, uh, you know, he's my brother, you know, I love yeah. him and I want to beat him up at the same time. But you know, I mean, by God, he has things to teach too. My brother's a pretty smart dude. and Sure. Uh, yeah. I have to respect a lot of the things that he teaches me because we look at the world and how to problem solve in a totally different fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, he, when I, when I told him about ATV talk and what I was doing, he freaking almost had a heart attack in fear that something was going to go wrong, or that you know your your the internet trolls are going to come out and get you. And uh, yeah. no, there's a chance, and, and, and that brings me to a question. And this is something that only you and I can can talk about. And the, the, I think the listeners are going to love this part. Okay, day one, you are wherever you are when the when the episode launched. Yep. Did it all go smooth? Did the did the ticker start clicking off listens, or did the butterflies and the anxiety get the better of you on day one?
2: Well, I was very, I was very, very nervous. Uh, we strategically dropped it that we dropped our first episode in correlation with people driving to the Illinois National Race. So figured, figured people got, they'll have some time. Cause I mean, I'm from the Midwest, I'm from Wisconsin, but most, I mean, a lot of people aren't, so they'll have, you know, they might have a 10, 12 hour drive to get over here. Um, you know, if you're from a little bit farther East, I'm like, there's going to be, you know, we'll fill some of that void. Hopefully they'll listen, hopefully they'll like it. I don't know. <laughs> and I, I just, I remember it like I didn't see a single negative comment. And never heard a negative comment. I was, again, I was nervous, but the reviews started pouring in. The people sharing it started multiplying. And that weekend, it was like people, I got so many compliments that I, I didn't. Then I was like, okay, well, now what? Because... <laughs> I Chad was Chad was my only plan like that was all I didn't, I didn't even know we were going to do a second episode and then we had to because people liked it so then then for episode two then we started talking about the races a little bit so then I was like okay well we'll talk about the races for a while and then I'm like in the off season transition to the off season because now I've like talked to all the current racers so I'm like I got to got to figure out something else to do. So I'm like, well, I saw Doug, Doug and I are, we're both from Wisconsin. So we've been around each other for forever. He was always my hero, but I'm like, Hey Doug, you want to come on my show? (laughs) And, and yeah, then, then you got guys now, then it turned into guys messaging me like, Hey, I, you know, like, Hey, I'm a big fan of the show. Like I'd like to do that sometime. So now it's like, I have a list of, 20 guy, like 20 past riders that I haven't been able to get to yet because like, I'm just trying to I feel your pain. Yeah. I'm trying to, cause then like, there's people that have been like uh, riders that have been mad that they, it took them till episode 30 to be on the show or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but I can only do past people like pretty much in the off season. Cause now I'm like, I've become this media guy in the way that I cover the current racing. Right. So, so it's like. I'm just trying to stuff things in all the time. My mind's always going, I'm like, literally, I'll like have a, I'll be, you know, putting an engine in or pressure washing or mowing the lawn and I like get an idea and I'm like, oh, I got to jot this down. I got to, got to, you know, make this happen. So what about you? I mean, tell me the story about your first episode coming out. Well, I train Tuesdays and Thursdays
0: and Saturdays. So I am in my training gear, getting ready to leave the shop. The episodes dropped five o'clock Pacific standard time on Tuesday. We'd never put an episode out. So I didn't know how the system worked and nobody was there to help me. My nephew, Tristan just happened to be standing there and I'm asking him questions because you had to put the RLA number in, in the right place to get it, to go to Spotify and Google and all the things. So that took me like an hour and a half to get all that worked out. Okay. So I didn't go train, but I'm just freaking stressing out. Yeah. Uh, my hosting company uh, charts all the information for us, so that I can just click on it and I can see who's listening, where they're listening. Yep. Um, this, yep. It, it doesn't have states, but it has the the whole United States, but it goes worldwide. And yep. And. and I stared at that screen and freshened it every 10 minutes for. Did you really? For oh my God. Three hours. And on the first day, you know, it may be embarrassing to say this, I had one download. Oh, it, really? Okay. And it was me. Oh, wow. So I was dejected. My dad goes, hey, oh, don't worry about it, you know? Yeah. And the next morning, I wake up to 33. Oh my gosh, that's huge! I'm like, I'm like, wow, this is crazy, and I've totally changed my mind because in the middle of the night I'm thinking, oh, we gotta unplug this thing. How do we get it off the internet? You know, can we undo
2: it? Am I making myself look stupid? Like, yeah, I, I, I I totally get. I mean, yeah, I was, I remember the same thinking the same thing because I'm like, I don't even want to look at my phone because I'm scared that I'm gonna see something bad, and it was the opposite. But it was like fear of the unknown. Yeah. So that, that,
0: that day one goes by and every day since then has just been a a vertical straight up, uh, you know, with a couple highs and lows, depending on holidays, things like that. You get a, you know, you get a day where somebody doesn't listen or or people don't listen, you know, for holidays or whatever it is. and, And, uh, yeah, it was an emotional roll. It still is kind of an emotional roller coaster. We're still new. Like I said, our 90 days isn't till October 7th. Okay. So we're still really, really new. Yep. Um, the difference in, in our, in our two shows is, uh, I don't cover the races like you do. I just cover, uh, current and, and former racers in, yep. um, I tried to believe that I was going to take every recording and just plug it in as it happened. Um, it doesn't really work like that. You know, that no, sometimes you have to break the chain and change the order. Uh, I've had to I, learning sound. I've had to throw a couple episodes out and retape them uh, yep, to my episode. Okay. The one that I did. Yep. It dropped on September tenth, the day after, or the 9th, the eighth. Excuse me, the day before my birthday. Okay. And on the seventh or the sixth, my son and I retaped the whole episode because in editing we couldn't fix the background noise. Oh no! <sighs> and my my editor Valeria, the, my producer, my my godsend. Yep. Uh, she was almost in tears because she couldn't fix it, um, granted, she's only edited thirteen episodes
2: right, oh yeah, this is new for everybody. yeah, this is new for everybody yeah same same thing I mean same thing, my brother had never done anything podcast he's just a tech guy, but right. we're learning together, yeah, like same thing i mean i law lo- i mean we had spent um we've spent hours and hours and hours editing one single, um, episode, you know, or like I, I wasn't savvy enough. I recorded a episode with John Natale and it just so happened that day that his son got sick. I think it was his son, not his daughter. And he got sick and they were in the hospital, but in typical John Natale fashion, he was going to do that interview anyway. Right And between being in the hospital, so there's background noise and then the walls and stuff of a hospital, there was a terrible connection and you could, it was, it just, it wasn't a good enough listen. And still to this day, I'm on him to try to get that episode back and re-record it. But, um, I've also spent, cause some of these episodes with people in, in, um, and just the effort you have to put in to put a whole episode together right. takes so much work that it's very draining. Cause I've found like, cause some of my shows have five. Uh, different guests or something, right? Like they might be together, but we do try to do a. I I try to do an array of different segments in some episodes. Yeah. Well, I, sometimes I, I break them up because I'm like, I can't record anymore today because I can literally hear in my voice that I'm like mentally burned out. Like I'm just, I'm done today. I've, I've exhausted my everything right. I got. And I've literally said to my brother at times when he's like, Trying to he's like like for a second he's said something that's made me think like he can't find the episode or something's wrong, and I'm like, Dallas, if you lose that, we're shutting the whole thing down <laughs> done because I've put so much into that, and now, if you don't got it, I'm like, we're done, Dallas, and <laughs> it's I'm joking, but like it's i'm I'm semi not joking because it you put so much into it, you just uh it's just hard to even explain to somebody how much effort it takes. And, um, again, it's so cool to hear your story because it's so similar to mine. You know, how you just perfect combination, all the stars aligned and here you are. I almost think it's an accident.
0: Um, but I love it and I love doing it. And there again, it's not my story, right? It's your story. And I want it in your
2: words, your way, And and sometimes it's in your terms. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of times like that's why it's good to not have a script because you you don't want it to sound like, Hey, I'm not going to ask you 10 questions. And after we get through these 10 questions, then, Hey, I guess we're done. No, because you could even, I'm sure you've had guests where you think it's going to go a certain way. Like you think you have a kind of a path in your mind. You think it's going to go and it shanks, right? Like it's not the conversation you thought you were going to have and it makes for a great episode. And that's great. So, um, that's why this is so fun. Like, I don't feel like I'm like, we're recording a podcast. I feel like I'm BSing with an old friend. Like that's how it feels like when you get ATV racers together. Well, and and that's, that's
0: the kin kindred, the, I don't know what the word is, but you know, the kindred spirit that we have and the torch that we carry, you know, I mean, I've had some riders on that have bounced back from, uh, drug addiction. Sure. Yeah. And, and we try to reach out to all of the things that, that, uh, the one 800 numbers and all the hotlines that you can call because it's important to me, so that the the fans and the people listening understand that you're not alone. Yes, you know, there are people that are out here to help you and want to make your life better and I hope that when people listen to ATV talk that they realize that they're part of the family and I am not just some guy uh doing a podcast, you know, cashing a check because there is no revenue in this. Uh, this is all done because I love the ATV sport. You know, you never know. I may get a sponsor one day. I may not. Uh, I got a buddy of mine that makes me some t-shirts. So I give him a, a shout out. You yeah. Know, I, have a, I have a gig where I prep race bikes and build race bikes for people. Um, you know, I give myself a shout out. Yep. Other than that, this is all heartfelt for the love of the sport and, uh, I can see in what you do and your expressions and the tone of your voice that it's all about that for you. And and that's important to me and that's important for the listeners so that they can really realize that, yes, we do love ATVs this much. That's why we do this.
2: Oh, it's so uh, again, like with the dirt bike stuff I listened to, I, those guys that I was listening to, at the time were saying things that I was like, wow, I didn't know anybody thought this way because I think that way. You know, like I'd never I had never heard a, a radio show about motorsports, like in in two-wheeled or four-wheeled motorsports. So then to years a few years ago and I was hearing this and they're pulling back the curtains and I'm like, people think like I do. Wow. And and now, you know, with your with your show or my show or whatever, like yeah, I feel like you have a way to show people that, like, that's what this industry is all about. So then somebody's listening to your show on the sink in their truck, and their girlfriend or their wife is sitting next to them, and they don't know a ton about ATV racing. But now they're listening to this conversation, and now all of a sudden the gears are turning in that other person's head, and they're like, wow this is why you like it so much. Big family. It's a big togetherness. Like, just like you said, the difference between two wheeled, you know, motorsports and four wheeled motorsports is that you, if if I have a problem with my machine, you're going to come over and vice versa and two wheels, they're going to like snicker and be like, "Ah, ha, so-and-so broke down. And that's, that's the difference in ATV racing and the ATV community is, is if we're just all about being together. And yeah, like people are hopefully people are listening right now thinking, you know, thinking they were just in on this awesome conversation for the last however long. Like time's flying by because Like, just like you said, they have stories that they're just plugging their name into the slots where you and I are talking about ourselves. We all have the same story, whether, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 20 years younger than you or whatever, but a little more, but we have the same story. The same stuff that you're saying is the same things that I've lived and feel. And and I'm old enough to be your granddad doesn't mean you got to rub it in. No, that's not true. But you know, but 20 years from now, I'm going to be doing the same thing. Like I'm Ooh. still going to be around the sport. I'm still going to be like, again, there's no, like these colors don't run. Like I'm, I'm, I'm always going to be an ATV motocross guy. Like it's who I am. And, and I tell people I, you cause there's people that will lose their identity in, in, you know, like whether they, They get away from it for whatever reason. And it's like, I'm going to be the best and happiest version of myself. If you keep me around ATVs and ATV racing, I need that in my life to be the happiest and the best, best version of myself, period. That's just how it's gotta be.
0: Well, I don't think that we can survive in a cubicle or in a regular nine to five job that, Um, I don't think that me as a person was ever made up for that. Um, I believe that, you know, being in, in a different environment and having a constant struggle to achieve greatness, even though perfection is unobtainable, uh, you strive for it and you strive for championships. You, you strive for wins and in racing, Your percentage of wins, you know, realistically, racing is failing. Yep. Because if you're winning, your span of winning is so small and so short that, yeah, there's the phenons, Gary Denton, Chad Ween and Doug Eichner. These guys have had careers that, you know, but but nobody looks back at the beginning of Denton, the beginning of Chad. You know, I remember going to the races with Doug when he didn't win nothing. Right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Out of his own way sometimes. Um, And it wasn't because he wasn't trying. It wasn't because he wasn't putting the effort in.
2: It just was, it wasn't his time. Right. Which is what makes winning so sweet. Right. Like the crowd, I, you always tell people that, the bad times are what make the good times so good. The low times are what, well, you're, you think you're doing everything right. And it's just not panning out those tough days. I would make the good days so special.
0: Yes. And the, the hard work that, that the mechanics go through, you know, exactly. I'm a, I'm a, I, I have a, a short racing Stint, you know, I got to race two years in the pro in the pro division invest in the desert. Which some guys think, well, that's desert. That's not doesn't count. Well, it does.
2: It's badass. Yeah, uh,
0: you know. But I spent most of my time as an amateur in in you know, off road stuff. A little bit of motocross, not much. Sure. Um, but I have a little bit of knowledge, and I spent most of my time testing machines for the riders. Sure. So, no, I can't go do that 80 foot double. And no, I'm not going to go through the, cur- the, the the corners with the same speed, but I can set the bike up knowing what that guy likes, knowing how he likes his suspension set based on what I've learned so that when he gets on it for the first
2: ride, we're close. Right. And I love, you gotta love that perspective too. You have, because you see things that the rider doesn't see and vice versa. So that's too, when you have a rider on your show, you it's good to have two different views. And I, and I like that dynamic. You know, the, the mechanic always sees things a little differently. And just because you can't do it doesn't mean you can't see it. It doesn't mean you can't, you don't, you can't like, there's times when the mechanic, and you would have known this, like can see the problem that the rider can't even feel, you right. know? So I, I like that dynamic because uh I mean the mechanic never gets enough enough credit, do they? No, uh, they always get the hey, if they don't win the race, it's the mechanic's fault. When the rider right. wins, it's the rider's fault. You exactly. Know? You never you never hear the mechanic's name when they win. But right. when, when there's a problem, then then that's when you hear about the mechanic or the team. It is a dirty rotten rotten SNOB. Why did you pick it
1: Right. Yeah.
2: No, that's funny. Joel or Cody, this has been amazing. I called you Joel like your dad. <laughs> I, that's about the, uh, that's happened thousands of times and I'm not, not sad about it. He, uh, he's got you know, a good legacy of his own too.
0: But you know what? I remember shooting the shit with your dad when he was buying pipes from us years and yep. years ago and we would talk back and forth and, and it, you know, so I feel like we already know each other kind of because yeah. there is a connection, even though I'm your, I'm probably closer to your dad's age and, and spent more of my time in the two stroke era than the four stroke area. Right. Yep. But most people don't realize
2: we started four stroke, went, know. And went know. Back to four stroke. I know. Yeah. The early days of four stroke stuff, especially for, I mean, four stroke ATVs. I think of Duncan. That's what I think of. The the first, the Duncan four stroke pipes are the, are the first version of the four stroke pipes that I remember ever really seeing, you know, you're not even going far enough back. Okay. You got to go back to the seventies. Oh really? Oh, I would have never
0: guessed. We started, my dad worked at a Honda dealership in 1969 when the first three wheeler came into the United States. Oh, wow. It, it didn't take six months and they were building intake manifolds and putting bigger carbs and bigger pistons in them into these 93 wheelers with these big balloon tires. Oh, my gosh. And racing them out in the parking lot. Oh my so, so, so we start, you know, you get into 70, 72, 73. Uh, in the '90s, and then the 110s came out, and yep, you know, they're building big bores and all these things. The 185s, the 200xs. So, my knowledge and and the the length of span that it goes back, I was a kid for a bunch of that stuff. But you, you got to figure I was I was doing it just way 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 back. Yeah. And the experience and the ground that I've chewed with so many of these guys, uh, you know, it, it's incredible. I'm trying to track down some of the old school guys that raced in the seventies. Okay. tail three wheelers. Okay. We'll talk
2: about some studs. Oh they, my gosh. You know, I can't uh, imagine.
0: Yeah. And I want to, I'm trying to find them. There's a few of them that live in town here nearest. And, okay. And I'm trying to reach out to them to get them to get them on the show, to, to talk about the old, old days. That would be cool.
2: Yeah. And it would take somebody like you to be able to do it because otherwise you're not going to be able to, if you weren't around to see it, you wouldn't be able to to ask the right questions. You know what I mean? Well, if you go back to
0: 1977 edition of three wheeler magazine, my dad's on the cover. Oh really? Okay he's on the so, engine builder for the big isles race team. Okay. And Dean Kirsten is the guy that did the article who used to work for V magazine. Okay. Working out a deal with him to sit him
2: down to talk about that era as well. You oh, know, how, how cool is that? So, yeah, I mean, you, yeah, I would have never guessed that the, that the, four stroke performance stuff went back that far. I guess when you think, when I think of, you know, seventies, I don't even, I don't even think of four strokes at all. I don't think of four strokes until the, you know, the nineties, nineties. Yeah, Yeah, basically. And and, and we had
0: a whole four stroke era before the two strokes. Before that. Yeah. That's crazy. And, and go back and listen to episode three. Okay.
2: Okay. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I'd love to. Yeah.
0: I will. And that will give you the history. I'm going to get that on again and okay. go through some more stuff with him. Okay. Because his knowledge of it. You know, we talk motorcycle racing back in the old days. Yep. Uh, when there had three inches of suspension and the bikes weighed six hundred pounds and he, <laughs> you, you couldn't get them in and out of the truck without five guys. Right. Uh, you know, and and there's just things that that. You know, when your dad was racing the two strokes yep. and there were things that he, his knowledge level was coming from a place before that. Okay. Yeah. So if you sit down with your dad and you go, Hey, let's go back in time and talk about before mm-hmm. and there's things he'll remember and you'll be like, no way. Really? Yeah. You know, yes. I mean, I remember being like 10, 11, maybe a little younger at speedway One Seventeen in South Bay here in Southern California. Okay. And th- that's the birthplace of ATV racing, basically where the Honda guys are coming from, you know, Sundall wax, uh, co hard, yep. yep. you know, I can name 10 or 12 other guys, you uh, Tracy Dix and all of these guys, you know, started coming from that era. And, yep. you know, so I have a deep bag to pull from and I hope that some of that will roll into your era and allow the history to keep continuing so that you can go and say, Hey guys, this is where it really started. We need to go back
2: and hit in time
0: and talk to these people.
2: Well, and I think that stuff like what you're doing with your show and exposing some of that older stuff, um, is so important because with, with ATV racing as a whole, doesn't matter what kind of division you're talking about. There isn't like a archive or a vault of history. You know, you can, you can piece it together. If you you can find a Google article here or there and you can piece some stuff together. But like, I feel like I'm a historian of the sport, but there's a hard cutoff at, you know, like 90 or, you know, or or whatever for me, because prior to that, you got to really know where to dig and how to dig to figure out anything prior to that. So stuff like what you're doing and exposing some of those older stories, you're part of putting that history together, just like you said, for this younger generation, for people like me, because that's stuff that I want to learn about. But without you, I have no idea where to even look for it.
0: Well, I'm going to bring it. We're going to bring it. And we're going to
2: get these old guys
0: and I shouldn't say old because most of them are my age, (laughs) you know, we're going to go back into the archives and we're going to dig all these things out. And, and I hope over the, over the episodes and over the time, I hope I get to do this for years. We never know where it's going to go. I mean, I don't know if you know the history, the the future of your
2: show or the future of any of them, you know? No, no. I mean, (laughs) there's, I mean, I, I'm not, uh, you know, you always have like a short term, you know, kind of plan because got. Yeah, I'm sure like you, you have plans for upcoming episodes, but you never know. Like, I, I guess a year ago, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have known where I was going to be now. And, you know, we've multiplied 10 times since then. So, uh, hopefully, yeah. hopefully things just keep the momentum keeps going. And hopefully, I mean, there's going to be people that, you know, so me being on, you're going to maybe, ex, you know, kind of tap into a different market, like a different listener group because like, I mean, I'm hoping again, well, of course, because again, like your, your demographic is different than mine. You're a West coast guy and you've had different kinds of guests, you know, with the exception of maybe Shane hit than I have, I haven't had Shane, but I've had guys like, you know, Shane the same era. Exactly. And, and Shane's a good Shane's a friend. So, I mean, I just didn't get to him yet, but, um, but yeah, so like that's, and then hopefully both of us, it's a two way street where you're going to get listeners from me and hopefully, you know, people check out my show for that listen to yours. And, uh, I mean, it's, that's what it's all about. That's like you said, it's about building up each other. Because, um, again, I'd like to think that, you know, we can do another episode together and talk about other racing things. Like, because, you know, after the talks that we've had, it's like, I respect your opinion so much. I want to know how you feel about things. You know, like, like that's how like people come up to me and ask my opinion on stuff. And I'm like, well, why do you want my opinion? But it's because they've listened to me talk about things and must you know, like the things I had to say and and same with you, you know, I've I've listened to other episodes and liked your take on things because it would have been something that I would have said. So now it's like, huh, you know, I want to know what he thinks about this. I want to know what Leonard thinks about that. Like, I I, I just feel like, uh, feel like this is something that we could definitely do in the future and just keep on talking. Like, I feel like, uh, you know, you can just roll out all kinds of topics and we can banter back and forth about it.
0: I guarantee we could. That being said, we're going to have to save it for another episode. I definitely want to continue our conversation um, because I've really enjoyed uh, your take on the industry. Um, the, the second conversation is going to lead into some deep conversations about our industry because I don't think that we stressed on that enough. Um, yep. So whether i come to you or you come to me we need to we need to get d- deep into the weeds on atv industry and where it's going to go and how we can help grow it and how we can educate the youth to understand and respect how great it is that we are where we are and that you could be at home pulling weeds instead of racing your atv so you better enjoy that twelfth place because you got to race your ATV
2: and there's nothing better in the world to do but racing your ATV. Exactly. Exactly. But I think, um, you're, you are already part of the growth that you're talking about. Again, it wasn't long ago where there wasn't, there wasn't these shows. And within now, You know, I've had, I've gotten messages just like you probably have of old riders of guys that we, of weed that are known names Mm -hmm. that have lined up in the pro class of different divisions and stuff and said, Hey, I kind of fell out of the sport, but you know, I started listening to your show and now I'm following it again. And uh, like that's, those are, those are the types of things you want to hear because that means that, Hey, people are enjoying what we're doing. We're filling a void. We're educating people. They're going to enjoy the sport more because you're rekindling the flame for them, you know? And, uh, and, uh, that's definitely happening and you know, you should be proud of it. And, uh, we're just gonna, we'll keep, just gotta keep grinding and keep giving the people what they want. Cody It's real. For, yeah, it once, is. for
0: once in our lifetimes, me having to deal with it longer than you, we're finally getting respect. Yep. Okay. Exactly. And it, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the fact that people care enough about what we do and love the industry as much as we do. They're giving the industry the respect that it deserves. And we just get to be the portal to get them yep. there. And, well, and that to me is... It's priceless, dude, because it, it, it I, I don't even know how to put it into words other than the fact that the love of the ATV sport and the love of ATV racing has made my life and has made me the man I am today and, and taught me how to be a better human. Mm-hmm. And being a better human is what it's all about. And yep. my wife today is the result of me being a better human because she would never even have held my hand if I wasn't a better human.
2: No, you're exactly right. I mean, that's totally 100% in line with, with how I feel, you know, It's, it's who I am It makes me who I am. And, um, I mean, I, again, I just feel like, uh, you take ATV racing away from me. And, and I mean, I, I would have no identity. It's, it's made me, made me every bit of who I am and um you know I, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for anything you know I just uh, I, I my mind goes back to the the thoughts that I had when I first discovered podcasts motorsports podcasts and people think in in the way that my, I thought like wow other people think the same things I do you know about riding about you know all the things they learn about it, um, how they enjoy working in the shop when most people can't relate to that. And I guess now I think people are going to get that same feeling from listening to a conversation like this. And that makes me feel good because it feels like you and I are leaving ATV racing Maybe even just a fraction, but in a better spot than when it w- like how it was when we arrived here. Evolution. You know, exactly. Evolved from us. Maybe maybe we are the root that
0: allows the tree to grow. And when they look back on it after I'm gone, um the, the, the root will, will have spawned a tree and my name will get to be there as as and your name and, and we got to be the bottom. Uh, the the full foundation of of something even bigger than we could ever imagine.
2: Agree. Okay. I mean, I agreed. Like little little Cody little young, little boy, Cody, when he was, you know, pretending that he was racing Shane hit in the backyard (laughs) would have never believed that, Hey, he was on an ATV show, ATV radio show following Shane hit as a guest on the previous show. And like that, I was important enough to come on and talk ATV racing and that people were going to want to listen. And, uh, I mean, that's like, I just—that's the coolest thing to me, you know. Like, <laughs> and I reached out to you in June. Did you really? Yeah, really. I didn't know. All, I did you did you ask me about? I was starting you, a podcast.
0: I, I told you that I was starting a podcast, and I
2: yeah. wanted to talk to you. Yeah, I,
0: I, you, I know, it was inviting. I don't know. was inviting you on the show right then. Yeah, I, I don't know. I have banked episodes, so I've pre-taped quite a bit of sure. Sure. Yep. Your episode will follow Marty Hart.
2: Okay. Okay. Awesome. So
0: yeah. Marty. Marty's next Tuesday. You'll be the Tuesday after. Okay. Oh, that's so cool. Because I can adjust the schedule, and yep. I feel that our listeners need to know the history and need to know about. Us working together and and us digging, diving deep and digging deep into the ATV industry using yep. your, using your name there, uh, yep. so that, that they can get a better understanding of what we're all about and um, maybe will the, the, the growth will uh, get even better for both of us.
2: Yeah. I mean, and the coolest thing as I've been sitting here, you know, I I love the idea of collaborating with stuff. I love the idea of bringing you on Digging Deep, but now I feel, I feel like I've acquired, I mean, I feel like I've acquired a friend, but I feel like I've acquired an ATV historian and I got an ATV historian in my back pocket. So anytime I need to verify anything, I'm coming to you now. Okay. So, so... But yeah, I mean, I am definitely, we're definitely going to get you on Digging Deep. I think same, very similar thing. You know, it's it's good for my listener base to hear from you. But I mean, again, like you roll out a conversation like this for anybody and who, if they like ATV racing, if they like motorsports, they're going to enjoy it. I don't know about you, but people like say they listen to my show that aren't even ATV like racing people. They're just people that are like, yeah, I heard you had a show and I listened to it and I really liked it. Now I've been listening to three episodes. And I'm like, would have never guessed you would have, you would have been a listener. And it's, it's just, uh, it's awesome. So, um, you know, again, it's like passion. I, exactly. And, and, um, it doesn't matter if that person likes at you know, necessarily like likes ATV racing, like we do, or comes from it like we do, but it's fun to listen to somebody talk about something that they're passionate about. It's um, right. because we live in a world where like, you lose that passion. I feel like, so, um, you don't hear, you don't hear or see it all that often. And or there's people that stay guarded. They, they don't show, they don't let their heart show through. So I like that authenticity, but, um, you know, and like I said, I, I, I like the idea of collaborating together. I didn't know exactly what it was going to be like to talk with another podcaster or another ATV podcaster. And it's been an absolute, it's been an absolute blast. I'm not an ATV podcaster. I am a professional
0: ATV race mechanic I work for a performance company. Uh, I just do this because I love the sport so much and I want an outlet for everybody's story. Um, and if you're going to twist my arm, I'll take the podcaster, uh, the, the title from you uh, or with you and, uh-huh. and go and run with it. Uh, but I'm not, I don't see what I do as me. I see what I do as the industry and I see what I do as the story for the person that I'm talking with. Um, You know, I'm, I put my pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody else. Uh, I just happen to have been very blessed to have succeeded in my chosen path, uh, Mm -hmm. have uh, multiple, multiple, um, careers in it yep. from working with riders in the motocross field back East to working with riders in uh, South America, in Dakar, working with riders in Baja, working with riders in best in the desert work series on the West coast. So yep. it, I, I've had a, a full gamut and, and it's not over. I'm still young enough. I can still do it. Right. Uh, whether I, do this or whether I do that or whether I do both. I don't know yet. I don't know what the future holds. Coronavirus has kind of screwed it up a little. Yeah. Yeah. But but I think it's going to get over soon and, and, or at least we're going to get to a new normal and, and roll with it. Well,
2: I mean, the one good thing is that, uh, you're able to fill some of the, some of the, your time with, uh, podcast things. And, um, I feel like, the coronavirus, the only effect it had in the podcast world was that there was more time for people to kill with podcast stuff. They acquired, you know, time to, uh, you know, they needed listening material and you're giving that to them. So you probably started it at the right time and kind of, uh, just touching on, you know, you said you like you're, you're trying to give people a platform to tell their story. Um, and you know, obviously I'm grateful that, you know, you, you thought it was a good idea to have me on, gave me an opportunity. And think we spent a whole lot more time talking about the sport as a whole, which probably, uh, I mean, it's probably also in my DNA because I don't I'm just not programmed to necessarily want to talk about myself, but I have tons of, uh, tons of great ATV stories and things to talk about. So, um, just in general, I, I, I can't thank you enough for having me on. And, uh, it was just 100% it, my had it, pleasure. 100%. Had an absolute blast with it. Me too. And uh, I felt
0: like I've known you my whole life. Yeah, me too. Honestly. Yeah, it was a blast. So, I really want you to think about uh, getting back with me uh, later on in the year. Maybe yep. if we could reach in December time. Uh, okay. Your off season. Um, and I don't, uh, I don't have an off season, but yep. uh, maybe if, if things go right with me, I have a rider that's coming back from an injury. If he heals correctly, we may be starting to race in January. Uh, okay. So I would love to sit down and, and, and do a
2: follow-up with you in December, if that works for you. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. I'd love to come back. And like I said, I'd like to, like the idea of getting you on, uh, in, in a little bit of your free time to, uh, talk, talk some ATV racing on my show as well. Whenever
0: you want me and I'm, I'm, I'm there.
2: Yeah. I'd love, okay. I'd love to, I'd love to.
0: Well, thanks again for coming on ATV talk and we, we loved having you. If you could, uh, just, uh, keep doing what you're doing and love AT racing as much as I do and, and, and don't ever stop, man.
2: Oh yeah, yeah Leonard again, thanks for everything and uh yeah we're we're gonna keep uh we're gonna keep banging the drum for a t v racing and if it's only uh if it's only you and i we'll uh just keep banging as loud as we can and uh you know the it seems like the whole sport is getting behind us one person at a time, so we're just gonna keep uh keep doing it like you said it's not uh it's not work when you love it as much as we do exactly. I just want to reach out to everybody listening,
0: ladies and gentlemen. This is Cody Jansen. Digging Deep Podcast, former professional ATV racer. Go check him out. Don't hesitate. You're not betraying anybody by going and listening to another podcast. We're all one family. We love each other. And, and don't stop. Please don't stop. We're going to keep doing this. And uh, ATV racing is everything, man.
2: Yes, sir. ATV racing is a family. Thanks so much, pal. All right, buddy. You have a great day. Talk to you later. Yep, you too.
0: The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com
2: Duncan Technologies International More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the
0: world. We build winners.
1: Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us, on all available platforms, and share us with your loved ones.
2: Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk news. See you next time.